You are listening to the Moody Girl Podcast with me, Emily Fazer. Throughout this series, we're going to be opening the minds of experts and delving into the world of alternative healing methods. Before we start the episode today, I wanted to ask all of you listeners a question. Did you know that a lot of people are living with lower than recommended magnesium levels? I didn't know this either and had never explored incorporating magnesium into my daily life until I started having skin issues. I now use Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray when I get out of the shower in the morning and spray onto my feet before I go to bed. I found that when I had psoriasis and hormonal breakouts on my face or body, I would spray it on and at first it really stung. But this was a sign from my body that my cellular magnesium levels were low. The more I got the magnesium into my system daily, the less it stung. It made sense. If you're feeling like you could benefit from having magnesium in your life, I would strongly recommend looking into using Better You Magnesium Oil Body Spray. Link to purchase is in the bio. Now, let's get to the episode. Hey guys, thank you so much to all of you that are listening to the Moody Girl podcast. It means so much to me and I'm absolutely loving spending this time to work on these for you. If you're finding these episodes helpful, please do subscribe, give them a five-star review and share on socials. It really helps to reach a wider audience, which will ultimately help me to keep bringing you great conversations and doing what I love the most. I've personally had so many different health struggles in my life. Doctor-prescribed medicines have often left me feeling worse and as though they are masking the problem rather than actually addressing the root cause. And this has led me to think outside of the box and find holistic ways to feel better in myself. I'm not professing to be some kind of health guru and I'm definitely not a doctor. Just someone who's trying to explore new ways to feel better and make the most out of life. This week, I spoke with Ellie Weinstein, a licensed clinical social work therapist based in Las Vegas. Ellie has worked in multiple settings, including a psychiatric hospital, an outpatient clinic, and is now currently working in his own private practice. Ellie is such a refreshingly honest person whose passion for helping people really shines through in this conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with Ellie. Right, let's get to the episode. So hi, Ellie. How are you? Emily, I'm doing great. I don't know what time it is where you're listening, but it's a wonderful afternoon in Vegas. I'm, uh, it's, it's been a good day so far. So Good. That's all it, you can ask for, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's Friday in the UK. It's 9 p.m. Um, so yeah. It's, Go to it's, bed. I, <laughs> I know right but you know I wanted to I wanted to take this time and chat to you today um I've been keeping an eye on your Instagram um and I just thought it was really amazing like all of the work that you're doing and the things that you're specializing in in particular um are very mm-hmm. close to to my heart um so one of the things that struck out to me first of all was that you're like specializing in anxiety which I think a lot of people suffer with um, but maybe they don't even know what that is, you know? So people are probably living day to day with a certain feeling in their chest or, you know, a certain feeling somewhere else. And they maybe associate that with something else. So I, I really wanted to kind of open up that dialogue today. Um, and yeah, I think, I think let's start 
with you kind of taking us all the way back to the beginning and mm-hmm. telling a little bit about your story. How are you, how are you in the line of work that you are in now? Um, and yeah, love to hear your story. You know, thanks so much for asking. Uh, I love this question myself that I ask professionals. Um, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with ADHD. So I've been in the therapy world for since I was eight years old, whether going to therapists, medication management, things of that nature. Um, and I've always been someone who's been that person at, during recess or, you know, an event or a hangout with friends that have been the person who listens and gets mm. talked to mm. about issues. Mm. And I always made a joke growing up like, oh, because I had big ears, right? I always had big ears kind of protruding, uh, bigger than my proportionate uh, size. I've grown into them now because I got became an adult. Um, <laughs> it happens, right? Um, and I've always cared for people, maybe sometimes to a fault, mm. Um you know, uh, above myself, uh, whether it's that blind person on the street or a handicapped person or a homeless, it broke my heart, you know, like the classic, uh, video online of the, the dog's adoption or shelters oh, and just crying, yeah. I will you know, and you're like, oh, that was me for a <laughs> lot of people who struggled. Um, so I always wanted to be in the helping profession. Mm. I am not book smart or um, a genius in the way that I can retain information. My ADHD kind of holds me back from being very good at memory. Mm. Um, so I was like, medical school, you're out. Uh, I didn't want to be anything of that nature because I just school for me is not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. So I tried to find something that fill, fulfilled my skills and my abilities to get to a dream. So that was being a therapist. Um, and I love what I do. It is challenging, but I love what I do every day. I would not do anything else because mm. every day changes. Mm-hmm. And my, my, me, myself, my journey with anxiety is, uh, I guess I've had anxiety all my life, but never knew it. Mm. It was like I had a nervous stomach, you know, or stressed when something was happening, which is all healthy and good. But when my daughter was born about three and a half years ago, she's almost four now, I had a massive panic attack two, week, two months into her life that crushed me. Uh, I was not myself. Um, I didn't recognize myself. Um, and I didn't know who I was. And so it was a very scary experience kind of put me in my place and humbled me Mm. to the reality of what anxiety can do. Um, Mm. gave me kind of perspective. And so I've been on that journey of perspective, self-awareness, and you know, that thing in your chest you talked about, well, I had it, uh, yesterday. Wow. And this morning, mm. uh, because of something important or a big opportunity that was coming my way, I felt it. And uh, it happens. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just could mm. be a response system. So we'll get into that, you know, and funds like that. But that's my journey. I got two beautiful children, um, Max and Ricky, uh, my little man and my little lady, and uh, my wonderful wife, Ariella. So we're in it for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I'm kind of on my own journey with ADHD at the moment as well. I haven't been diagnosed, but I it was all of a sudden I was scrolling through TikTok and there was this video about like women having ADHD and the signs being much different. So at school, the only people who had ADHD ADHD were boys. I never wild boys. Yeah, wild boys. I never ever knew of a girl having ADHD. Yeah, and I yeah. remember being sat in primary school, uh, which is elementary school. 
Yeah. And um, there was this girl who I was like, every day she sits there, she's so quiet. She's always on the good board. I'm always on the bad board, the naughty board. And I remember I said to myself, you know, right today, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to, I'm going to be like this little girl. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be good. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be good in school. And no matter how much I tried, it was like innately, my body was like, you can't do this. You need to move. You need to move. You need to move. You need to speak. You need to chat. You need to do something. And I just thought it was like, I was just not right, you know? And there were so many different things like that, which I never even thought about until recently. Um, and I'm, I'm, this year is the year I've said to myself, I'm going to look for official diagnosis just to kind of make, I guess, understanding of, you know, of, of who I am and all of these weird quirks, not weird quirks, mm-hmm. but quirks about myself that I haven't yeah, ever yeah. understood. So, I mean, for you, obviously, it was quite young that you got diagnosed. Um, how, how old was it again? Sorry. Seven or eight, I believe. Seven or eight. Okay, fine. So it's kind of been something that's just, you've grown with like as a child, then into, you know, adolescence um and then on to into adulthood as well so it's like you've kind of experienced that and then grown grown with the adhd i guess and i think that's something that is a great perspective to have about anything that we struggle with is that we it's a part of us Mm. it's not a defined definition of us it's not something that is uh, uh like something that should hold us back but is just a part of our journey whether it's yeah i'm six foot two i grew up i got older yeah. Right. Um, whether it's our intellect and knowledge, we grow and we learn and we understand. And to me, whether that's anxiety, depression, ADHD, schizophrenia, bipolar, whatever title name you want to put to the stuff that you're dealing with or self-esteem or just general struggle of life, we have learned that and we are growing up with it. And research shows that the biggest thing we can do with anxiety or anything really of that nature or form is to, to befriend it is to get to know it and to understand it as part of our journey or the backseat driver of our car that can be annoying sometimes and you want to kind of throw it out of the car sometimes because they're telling you how to drive, but they're still in the backseat and you're the driver. Yeah. But they're, they're in the car, right? It's there. It's something that's a part of us and, and integral to who we are. And yeah, ADHD is a struggle sometimes. For me, um, I have learned better days and how to handle it and have days where I, I can't. And, um, and I struggle and whether it's how I move my hands a lot, you don't see my feet. I'm clenching and moving my feet a lot and my toes. Uh, I'm usually holding a pen or moving a pen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am extremely sociable and yeah. talkative and friendly and emotional and empathetic. And that's part of ADHD as well. I'm a very deep feeler, mm. which comes with, which comes with some cons, right? To feel And to notice and to pick up on things. I pick up up on stimulus that other people don't. Mm -hmm. Body language, tone of voice, crinkles in shirts. I I notice everything. Wow. That's overwhelming, yet can be very helpful as a therapist, as well as a friend, as well as a caregiver, as well as someone you love, where I notice when you're not not doing okay, that no one else even notices. Maybe you don't even notice because of a facial expression or a tick or a -hmm. movement or a body language. Which so there there I don't I don't I'm I'm still hesitant to call it a superpower. I've t- spoken to some professionals and they don't like calling mental health issues a superpower because mm-hmm. it dismisses people who struggle with it. Yeah, but it is something that is a part of you. Mm. It is something that that is a is is a integral to how you run. Yeah, you don't have to like it all the time. 
but it is who you are and something that makes you you. Yeah. That's the way that I kind of look at it to help me feel better about it versus like, get it out of me, like a disease, you know, Mm -hmm. or like a, like a, a, a a parasite. You know, I don't, don't, that, that to me would be a little more destructive in my work with people and my own, my own work with myself. Yeah. I mean, all the people I know with ADHD are always amazing people. They're amazing to be around, as you say, super emotive, uh, caring. Um, so yeah, I, 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 as you say, you don't want to kind of dismiss any, any kind of people that are really struggling with it, but personally, if I did get a diagnosis, I would want to try and see the positives and, you know, and in, in, in the good things that it makes me do, um, which is yeah. communicating with people and, and able to chat to anyone. Um, yeah. so yeah, cool. Well, I didn't know that about you. So that's, um, a really great start. <laughs> yeah. We're twins. What can I <laughs> yeah, say? there we go. Um, so we touched on this before we started recording, but half American, half English. Um, and in America, Therapy is almost like, I don't know, having a gym membership, it feels like. But in the UK, it's a little bit behind the times, you know, especially with like men's mental health. I don't think I know one man um, that has openly said I'm going to therapy. Actually, maybe maybe I do. Um, But, you know, not a huge amount, but I mean, when my brother's in Boston, you know, a lot of his friends all very open um, about going to therapy. It's something that it's like, yeah, I went to therapy today, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think America is so far ahead in terms of, you know, therapy, I guess, uh, compared to other countries? I, I think that it's, it still is a stigmatized thing in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I have a colleague of mine, uh, Alexina Graham, uh, who's from England. Mm. Uh, I think she's a Victoria's Secret model or something or something oh, like that. Okay, cool. You should reach out to her. She's really cool. Uh, and she would love to be on your show. She's amazing. Okay, great. Uh, and she told me a story about her sister um, who was suicidal. And this is on the podcast, so it's public. It's not something private. And try to take her to a hospital to get help. And the nurse said, just go home and have some tea. Mm. Literally what she said to, to her. And uh, I don't know why America is ahead of it. I think that we are a very progressive, known country to push boundaries and fight. I just think it's such a need that I think Americans as a whole are more talkative and loud. Yes. Right? Yes. Sorry about that noise. That's fine. No worries. Right. Um, and, and I'm not here to bash London, England, or the yeah. UK or, or Europe. They are more reserved people, mm. right? They are just more reserved society. We're like, hey, America, yeah. blah, 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 right? Talking <laughs> yeah. and yapping, and 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 that we're known for that. And if you look at other countries making fun of America, it's like, howdy, y'all, and it's like, you know, let's come to my barbecue, and it's like all these weird accents of ridiculousness. Yeah. Right. Or let's go surfing, y'all. You know, whatever it is. It's like it's always very big personalities. Yeah. So America's known to be big and mm-hmm. and, and talkative and, and and more open and vulnerable than other countries are known to be. It's a cultural thing. If you look at Asian cultures, they are not talkative. Mm. They're very insular. It's mm. just the culture. And and I think America's going in the right direction of getting help. It's still something that people don't really talk about as much. Mm. As much as we think. As much as people post about it, hey, I went to therapy. Here's what my therapist said. 
And unfortunately, in the world today, we have a limitation of therapists, right? You said before, at expense. Yeah. I take some insurances, but then I don't get paid a lot. So why would I keep doing it, right? And then there's also the struggle of access, affordability, yeah. location, yeah. style. Yeah. You know, I have a, a colleague of mine who lives in a state in America where it's a very Christian-based therapy model, mm. um, which I think is inappropriate. I think uh, mental health should be unbiased in anything. Yeah, I'm an Orthodox Jew. Mm-hmm. I keep kosher. I keep Sabbath. I do all those fun things that never dictates how I treat another person in my therapy office ever. Mm. That's me. That's not them. I'm here for them. Yeah. So I had a colleague call me. He's like, I'm looking for therapy. And everyone's like, just believe in the Lord and pray more. Like, so there's still issues with the mental health world. Yeah. Right. It's not perfect, but I do think it is a huge problem that especially a place like the UK that is progressive in other things. Yeah. And, you know, a uh, quote unquote normal country, you know, mm. it's, it's not a third world country that doesn't have resources okay. should be up to par. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just a cultural thing as a whole, yeah. the idea of talking, being real about emotions and honest uh, and not being removed and kind of cold. Mm, I think that's so, so you literally hit the nail on the head there. I feel like if anyone in the UK, say if I went into, you know, my job and said, um, I'm, I went to, th- what did you get up to last night? I went to therapy. People would probably think, think that was something seriously wrong with me. Like, are you yeah, okay? like you're insane or crazy? Yeah, yeah. Like, are you suicidal? Like, you know, should yeah. you be at work? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's People very- have that response in America too. Yeah. But I think it's just becoming more of a thing. Like you said, a gym membership Yeah, um, where people are like, yeah, I have a therapist every week and I go to the gym every week. And I also, you know, take a walk every week. And I, you know, I have a, a husband or a wife or kids. It's just part of the nature of my world. And I'm happy that that's part of their nature. Mm-hmm. I truly believe, and I'm not saying this because I'm a therapist and I want to get paid. I'm not getting paid by anyone to say this. I think that everyone, <laughs> myself included, I'm in the search of another therapist right now, deserves to have someone to talk to that's objective and not in their life. Yeah. Life is so damn hard. I mean, it's so damn hard. Why wouldn't you want help? And I, I say this jokingly, but I really mean this, that you know, I got two kids and everyone says it takes a village to raise kids. It takes a village to raise adults. Mm. Like We need a village too. And it can't just be our friends. It can't just be uh, the church or the synagogue or mosque or community center or gym membership that helps us create a community. We also need an individual yeah. who has our back and is compassionate and empathetic with us. No holds bar. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and I was recently just watching an amazing documentary that I suggest anyone watches. Everyone watches Stutz. It's on Netflix. Jonah okay. Hill and his therapist. Wow. Um, I cried. It was beautiful. I was like so proud of this therapist because I have similar beliefs, but like a 74 year old is like very well put and just, he's hilarious and funny. And he says, it's funny. I actually wrote it down. Uh, Not, not just for this, but just in general to have in my notes. And he says that um, in traditional therapy, you're paying this person and you save all your problems for them Mm. and they just listen. And your friends who are idiots give you advice and you want your friends to just listen and you want your therapist to give you advice, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's traditional therapy, but yeah. modern therapy is more proactive. And I think mm-hmm. everyone deserves to have a proactive person in their life, whether it's weekly, twice a week, 
once every two weeks, once a month, once every six months to have mm -hmm. someone you check in with yeah. who has no stake in the matter of your life and tells you how it is. Yes, I love that. I really love that. And that actually takes me on to a question I was going to ask you. What would you say your style of therapy is? So when you say proactive therapy, yeah. what is that? You know, the audience who in the UK especially may not have even been to therapy. They may not even know yeah. what the standard therapy is. Can you talk us through proactive therapy? So I'm going to back up and say classic old school therapy is a person who sits back, who's a blank slate, who says, mm, tell me more. How does that make you feel? I understand. I hear you. Yeah. Right. And is very just unresponsive to the thing at hand, mm -hmm. right? Just very go with the flow. Thank you for telling me, keep going. I hear you. How does that make you feel? I think the world of therapy is taking a massive shift um, for the better, which is someone who is active and proactive in therapy. So that means that I am someone who takes a brand of no BS with extremes amount of compassion for my clients, which means I'm going to tell you how it is. Yeah, That was stupid. Hey, you need, this should be something that you think about. Hey, this relationship doesn't seem healthy to me, mm -hmm. right? Very someone who talks and says their observations and doesn't just sit back and go, hmm, interesting. Because why is someone paying me to just say that? Yeah, I think it's I unhelpful. I think it's stupid. Yeah. And I think it's ridiculous. And I'll, I'll, I'll take on anyone who disagrees with me on that because mm -hmm. it's not helpful. You're not there just to sit and talk. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm not going to listen though. Yeah. So I give you time to talk. Talk therapy is that you're talking, but mm -hmm. it's a relationship. I'm here to tell you and talk to you about life and things that you, observations that are not healthy or productive for the general human public, as well as what you're struggling with too. So what I say to you is different than what I say to my three other clients in the next, you know, two hours, mm -hmm. because your issues are different. So I'm not going to just have this routine that I say to every person. So it's proactive. Each person's different. Each situation is different. And how you show up every day is different. So I'm going to treat you that way. Not just let me put you into a plan. Let me shove you into a diagnosis. Let me push you into some direction that is just for six weeks, we're going to try this. And then four weeks do that. No. How are you today? Oh, you're struggling with this? Let's deal with it right mm -hmm. now, right here. Let's be solution focused. Let's be proactive. Let's yeah. not just sit back and go, how does that make you feel? And then you walk out of the session. Do you feel that something helped you? Or do you feel exactly the same, but just unburdened? Mm -hmm. No, I want you to feel like there's some possibility that there's some forward movement or some thought process or thought provoking question or idea we got to that keeps you going for change and for growth and for your success. That's the hope for a therapist. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, you can't tell I'm very passionate about this. No, like, <laughs> honestly, like, I absolutely. I love, I love. I, I want love you to be therapy. my therapist now. <laughs> we can figure something out. Yeah, totally. Um, how do you think people find you know, the right therapist for them. Cause I know I've, Ooh. I've only had two therapists in my life. Um, my first experience, it wasn't bad and I didn't realize it was bad until maybe afterwards, but I felt like it was, I don't know. It was, it was a strange, strange kind of, it was talking therapy, but then afterwards I kind of came out feeling really angry at like the closest people at me in my life. So it was almost like there was too much telling me, mm how I should feel about something. 
Yeah. And it was almost like, I was like, well, she's a therapist, so she's got to be right, you know? Right. Like, what mm -hmm. she's, and I'm quite naive, you know? I'm quite impressionable. I'm yeah. definitely a little bit naive. Um, and I'll take, I'll take something as gospel, you know? If somebody tells me something, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that will really kind of, like, go right here, and I'll, I'll think about mm -hmm. that and think about it. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. Um, and so for a while, it took me a while to get over that kind of therapy um, because I didn't think that it worked for me. You know, it actually made me worse. It made me feel more angry with people and I was lashing out in ways. Um, so, yeah, I think it's so important that you find the right therapist. But I mean, I think a lot of people just don't know how. So I will say I'm going to talk about from America's standpoint because I don't know how it works in the UK. Yeah. Um, first of all, you have beautiful resources on social media mm -hmm. um, that are licensed professionals. Stop looking at TikTok for cutesy, inspirational stories mm -hmm. as a therapist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they can't be inspirational and helpful and productive, right? Oh, I just saw a TikTok or a reel that talked about their experience. That makes me feel X, Y, and Z. Good. I love it. Take it. Go for it. Use it. Utilize it. Write in your journal about it. You yeah. know, change your life if you'd like for the better. Um, the first thing is I always say it has to be accessible. What that means is location. What that means is affordability. What that means is that it fits your schedule, yeah. right? If I go to a gym and it's 30 minutes away and it's and I'm paying a lot of money for it, I'm probably not going to go. But I can go to a cheaper gym, which is what I do. I go to like 24-hour fitness. It's so super cheap. And it's a two-minute drive. Mm -hmm. If I had time, I'm going to jump to that gym more because it's affordable. I don't feel as guilty if I miss. And it's accessible. I can get there and do what yeah. I need to do, get home. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love it has to be accessible on those three fronts. The second thing is vibe. Do I feel comfortable with this person? It's another human. Same thing you would have any other relationship. Do I feel comfortable with this person to talk, be honest, be vulnerable, and be real? I'm not saying you need to do that from the get-go because that's kind of weird to just be blah about yeah. all your feelings. Mm -hmm. But can I get there? Does this person make me feel safe, secure, and comfortable? The third thing is, do they challenge me to think, right? Do I walk out going, hmm, that was productive? Or do I end and go, what the hell did we just do? We didn't mm -hmm. talk. We didn't do anything. I recently ended therapy with a therapist because I was doing a lot of talking and they were just going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I believe in you. And I'm like, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> Question me. Push yeah. me. Ask yeah. me, mm -hmm. right? The fourth thing I would say is that do you feel that they have your back, right? Do I feel supported and respected or do I feel talked down to and small? I'm going to say this very hard truth about mental health. Just because someone has letters after their name doesn't make them qualified to help you. Mm. I don't care if it's the a PhD, 
a doctor, I don't care how many years of school someone went to or how many letters or certifications they have under their belt. It has to work for you. And if they don't work for you, that's all that matters. So the hard part is it becomes an interview process, mm. trial and error. Thank you so much for your time. This is not working for me. And then screw them because it's not their problem. It's your issues that you want to work on and you need to find the person that can help you in that direction. And that might change season to season. You might be with therapists for six years. And for that time period, that person was perfect, but then now it's not. And you need to find a new avenue or get stale. You know, I had a supervisor years ago, Dr. Stanley Rustin, who was this old school, like 80 year old man who I loved. And I, he's still alive. Someone who changed my life for the better. Um, and he had a, a client that was working with him for 30, 40 years, has seen him throughout his life of marriage, children, grandchildren, and death of friends. And wow. they're now buddies. Like that's the, pro they're friends, they're mm -hmm. colleagues because they're similar ages. So like they have lunch together. Like he brings, like they take off turns buying lunch for each other and they sit and talk once every, once a month or once every two weeks. That's this guy's therapist. It's wow. a relationship and he feels yeah. comfortable to be with this guy for that long. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Not that you should have a therapist for 40 years. If you want that power to you, good for you. Keeping keeping in check and keeping someone, keeping in line with what your goals are. But if you feel comfortable, you feel safe and supported and secure by someone, that's the goal. Yeah. And if you can afford it, even better. And if you can't, that's not the right fit right now, no matter how amazing and how many reviews they have online, how many followers they have on social media, it doesn't make them the best just because they're expensive. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. just because I want to break that myth also, just because someone takes insurance does not mean they're a bad therapist. It means they're trying to be accessible. Absolutely. And just because they charge $400 a session doesn't make them good either. Mm -hmm. What about, you know, the people who literally will never be able to afford a therapist? You know, are there any avenues where people can use self-help or, yeah. you know, well, so books, right? But, I'm a know. big fan of books. I read an exorbitant amount of books because I, I want to know more information about people and human nature. And um, Books are really helpful. Friends are wonderful. Social media resources are great. And there are courses online and classes you can take. Honestly, but it will never replace a therapist. Yeah. Because books are theory. It's not personalized to you. So just because there's a book on narcissism or there's a book on how to raise children, it's general with great tidbits and wonderful tips and tools that you can utilize for your life, how you utilize them, when you utilize them, when is it smart, when is it not helpful? That's what a person helps you with. Mm -hmm. So for me, if you can afford it and you find the right person, stay with them. Yeah. Don't leave. Yeah, it's very hard to find another person that you fit with. Mm -hmm. And if the therapist cares, they'll try to do their best to make it affordable within the means that they can do. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a sliding scale, which means certain people pay less than others. It's not because I disrespect them. It's because they can't. Mm -hmm. And I really love working with them. It makes my job easy to work with someone who I like working with. Yeah. I don't want to talk to someone who I don't want to talk to every week. I mean, that's frustrating. Yeah. I'm a human. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Mm. I think so from, if we flip it on its head then, so you as a therapist, then if you say, 
I was a new client and we didn't quite gel. Maybe I thought we gelled, but you didn't think we gelled. Um, and you maybe thought that you couldn't help me. Um, do you kind of turn people away then? And you're just like, this isn't going to work. It's not a right fit. I yeah. mean, if I, because research shows just from a scientific perspective, let's go research for a second versus anecdotal. Yeah. Two people have tango. The therapist has to show up and the client has to show up. If mm-hmm. either you are distracted or don't want to be there, it's not going to have the full effect that it can actually help somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing someone a disservice if I don't think I can help them because the fit's not right. The issues I can't help with are not my specialty or I don't like the person and find them frustrating or annoying or crass or, or whatever it is rubs me the wrong way. Now, there are certain people that rub me the wrong way depending on the day because of my headspace, but yeah. nothing to do with them personally. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a client years ago who was uh, narcissistic and, uh, I remember my wife was pregnant and I said to him, by the way, my wife's pregnant. I'm going to be taking off in a couple of months when my wife is due. I just want to give you a heads up that this is, this is happening. Right. He's like, how could you do that to me? And dropped me that day as a therapist, made phone calls to my supervisors that I was a terrible human, whatever it was, terrible experience. Well, guess what happened? My wife gave birth, beautiful baby, a couple months into my, my, my child's life. He wants to work with me again. Mm. And I said, no. Yeah. Not to spite him, but if that's how you feel about me, I'm not going to want to sit in a room with you and help you. Mm. So how am I going to help you then? Right? How am I going to actually show up for you if you rub me to such an extreme that I can't be unbiased? Yeah. That's not going to help you. Nope. And I definitely don't want to see you. So sometimes it's not a right fit and I have to be honest because it's for the client's benefit. Yeah. And me sometimes, but mostly for the client's benefit to want to help them. Mm. Whether it's, uh, you know, I get phone calls from parents like, hey, can you help? No, I can't. I can't. Or I get a call from a couple or I get a call from an individual whose issues are not in line with what I have the brain power bandwidth or ability to help with. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest with them. It doesn't mean that I won't try to do some research to find someone who could. Yeah. I think that's an amazing, amazing thing to do, even just to steer people in the right direction. And maybe I always try to steer people in the right direction. Yeah. But I always, my, my rule of thumb is I try my best. I'm not amazing or perfect. I try to answer every email or phone call that I get Mm -hmm. just so someone feels seen and heard. Yeah. I know I've been on the other side of it when I've tried to find a therapist and I haven't heard from people for six, eight months. Mm. And I don't want anyone to feel that, that they're not respected for reaching out and taking the step to be vulnerable to say, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Cause that takes guts and courage and bravery. And I want to support that. Yeah. That's the, so I, I mean, support. that's the first, I mean, I can help step. them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I also wanted to talk about, I know that you're, you know, really passionate about, you know, parent parenthood and, and how that's affected your life and also, um, others as well. Um, yeah. And I think I thought that was really interesting, actually, because, I mean, you always kind of think about the mother um, in terms of having the baby and all of the the kind of, you know, the stress of having a baby and growing a baby and the hormonal changes and all of the, all of those different things. Um, and it's kind of up to the partner to support them and, you know, be that rock. Um, but from a male perspective, you know, um, when we're looking at new dads, um, you know, who are struggling with mental health or, you know, what, what's your story on that? And I know you mentioned earlier about, 
you went into a, a dark place with anxiety after having children and um and for anyone else who's listening out there who might be going through this themselves but you know if they're in the UK they might be too scared to even mention it to someone yeah. um so i think this is a really important uh, conversation to have I, I love this question because it's very close to home um when i was becoming a father i didn't see resources out there for men uh, I see a lot of dad Facebook groups that are not helpful and unhealthy and very toxic in like, my kids suck and my wife's the worst, you know, kind of conversations. Oh, and I, I can't stand those conversations. Is my wife, is my wife perfect? No. Is she terrible? No. Are my kids always easy? No. Are they the worst? No. Right. So I'm not going to talk that way about my family. So I didn't find that helpful. Dad books, barely. You know, the mom books had like, the, the the Bible of my parenting books is what to expect when expecting. And that has like seven to nine square gray boxes that are for the dads in the entire 400 page book. Wow. I was like, what the hell is happening? So I started talking about men's mental health, especially fathers, because by nature, your life is changing without you doing anything just by the child being born and coming into your life, no matter how beautiful the experience is, your life has forever adjusted and changed. And that is difficult. Your schedule, your sleep, your stress level, your finances, your freedom is now changed. It doesn't mean that's bad. But you got to learn to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's going to have its effect. And if you don't talk about it, there's a theory out there by this wonderful psychologist, Dr. David Burns, who wrote the book Feel Good Therapy and When Panic Attacks. And he talks about when I ask someone to clean their room and they take all the dirt and all the garbage and they shove it underneath the bed, the rug and in the closet, the room looks clean, but the dirt's still there. And that's what happens with our mental health. When we don't process and deal with our stuff, it goes somewhere. Mm -hmm. Whether that's your heart, whether it's your stomach, whether it's your head in the back of your mind, whether it's your hair loss, whether it's your, you know, your eating habits, your stress levels, how you behave with others, your mood is being impacted by the lack of process of the stuff that you're feeling and thinking. That happens to men just as much as it happens to women. Mm -hmm. Research shows postpartum anxiety and depression happens in men. It's not just the women, because the postpartum issues are postpartum, after the baby's born. It's not about just hormone levels, and it's your life adjusting. So we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We need to help people, because mm -hmm. dads struggle too. You know that classic image of a father being angry and mean and, and sassy? That's anxiety, that's stress, that's depression. That's not just being sassy and angry dad. Mm -hmm. Stuff is coming out. Yeah. We're just not being called that. So yeah. we have to be aware of it. That means partners show up for your people and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? That means that the fathers have to ask for help from their partners, no matter how hard that is. Stop trying to be strong. You're being weak. You're being weak by not stepping up for yourself and for your people. Mm -hmm. That means taking care of yourself. That's real bravery and courage. That's real strength. Admitting that you actually are struggling, admitting you need help. 
That's what being a man really is. Mm-hmm. That's what being strong really is. Yeah. By hiding, by being putting a good face on for people, that's being weak. That's not being honest and real. And that's what real strength is. And my my passion is to be an honest man, to be a vulnerable man on social media. And you know, I have a post that I, I I'm nervous to share and talk about uh, about vulnerability as a father. And to say the tagline is, and I'm going to do a video hopefully next week, just to have a time to, of just being a dad is not always good enough for your kids. Sometimes your kids don't want you. Sometimes they want the mom. Sometimes you do your best and it's still not enough because kids are kids and that's hard to handle. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle. Yeah. And, and you're also on the outs. Like my wife breastfed. I didn't breastfeed. I'm not there. I can't help. So I sit there up at night wondering, hey, what more can I do? Oh, I can't do anymore. That sucks. Mm. Right? And it plays with your head. You know? So it's real stuff that you just got to talk about. Even wow. if it means writing it in your journal all by yourself. That can be helpful if you don't have the courage yet or are afraid to talk to your partner or some professional. Write yourself emails or texts about how you feel. Write in a journal. Get a best friend, a tribe of one or two guys that you can be real and honest with. It will help immensely with the stuff that you're dealing with. I think it's just so refreshing. Just that whole, yeah, that whole conversation and and about you know, parenthood. I mean, I'm, I'm not a parent yet. Um, it's definitely something that my husband and I want for the future, but you know, we, we're a bit worried. We're a bit nervous because of those huge changes. We quite like our life as it is, you know, the freedom going out. When we There's want. nothing wrong with that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, not everyone, you don't have to have kids. Yeah. And that's, that's also a discussion as well. What about for those people that don't want kids, you know, they, they have this, I know a lot of people who have guilt, um, you know, especially if in a relationship, one wants children and one doesn't, how, how do you overcome that? Want to hear a real answer? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You should have talked about that before you got serious in a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. True. Like, honestly, like straight talk, like as a relationship therapist, I do this all the time. You need to talk about real things before it gets serious. Mm -hmm. Because then what do you do? You're married, you're together for 10 years, and you're like, by the way, I want to have kids. Well, I don't. Yeah. What? We never (laughs) talked. Why didn't you talk about that? (laughs) Totally. Right? Political, religious conversations, intense values and character traits and goals of life. Talk Mm -hmm. about these when the relationship's new. Mm -hmm. I know it's scary and might scare people off. That's the point. Yeah. The people who stay are the ones you want to be with. The people who it Mm -hmm. scares off, you don't want to be with. Yeah. So have those conversations before it gets too serious because then what are you going to do? Then you love this person so much and then it's like, oh, shoot, I'm going to lose. Yeah, you might lose that person. That's hard. But you should have the conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, real talk there. Yeah, love that. Um, okay, so nearing the end of the podcast and earlier on today, I put out an Instagram message to see what anyone who wanted to ask you a question today, as we, we've touched on therapy can be expensive. People may not, not want to, um, you know, haven't had the opportunity to ask these questions. So we've got a couple here. Um, this was so all anonymous. We're going to go with anonymous today, but it said, if you could give three tips for living a happy and content life, what would they be? Okay. One, surround yourself by people that care about you and support you and have your back. So a community or a tribe. We all need it. We, we deserve it and we thrive for it. 
That's one. Two, take care of yourself. That means getting sun. That means moving your body. That means eating a way that makes you feel good about yourself. That means finding ways that you find time to be you. The best that that can be day in, day out. The third thing I would say is stop trying to fight for perfection. Just do your best every day, whatever that looks like. And with that, try to find as much positive in the world, even though it's dark, that you see the darkness, but the positive still can be there. Um, I was reading something recently called squeezing the lemon, right? Lemons are tart, right? But you can get juice out of it and use it for something. So there's always something productive out of even hard times as well as good times. So search for it, fight for it, and you're not going to be happy every day. You're not. You expect yourself to be. You're already in, you're already in a losing battle. Mm-hmm. There are going to be days where you're not happy, and that's okay. But you learn from that, and you do better the next day, or you try harder, or you try to be productive the next day. So I know I said like seven things, but uh, I mean that's great. Things. They've got lots those of work there. So whoever posted that uh, question, there we go. Um, another one. How do you stop reoccurring patterns in behavior that no longer serve you? So going for the same guys that aren't right, um, you know, going out and drinking all the time if you feel really crap the next day. Mm-hmm. How, how do we stop these reoccurring behaviors? First of all, I would, I would say you got to become aware of what the behaviors are. That's mm-hmm. one. Two, you need to figure out why. Why do I do those behaviors? What is that reason that pushes me to that direction? Why do I keep being pulled into it? What does it, what do I feel it benefits me? Why am I running for that extra drink when I know it makes me feel sick the next day? What's the purpose behind that? And I figure that out. Then it's more of how do I adjust my life and take action to not fall into that why that I know is unhealthy or not a good behavior, Mm -hmm. but I have to know why I'm doing it. I know I have to know where it's coming from and what pushes me in that direction. And then moving forward with those that information, you can make some adjustments. It's not going to be perfect, right? It takes time and, and, and effort and, and compassion for yourself to adjust a way that you've been doing life forever or for many years. But you got to first find out what it is, be aware of what is happening, the pattern, why you do it, and then what steps you can take to adjust it so that it doesn't turn out in a negative way, but more positively. Mm-hmm. Love that. So whoever's listening, whoever posted that. Ellie answered it very eloquently. Um, And then we have the last one. What would you say to someone who is resistant to therapy because perhaps they don't understand it? Smack them. No. Uh, Reality (laughs) is, is that therapy is not for everyone. I know I said before that I think everyone deserves to be in therapy. It doesn't mean that therapy is for everyone. Like I said before, also, you have to buy into it. You don't want to do it. It's not going to help. The hard part is, is that there are so many people in this world that struggle and we see them struggle. And if only they had someone to help them, how better their life would be. And it's so hard to watch. Just go to therapy, Bob. You know, come on. You're fighting with your wife every day. Go talk to somebody. You don't seem yourself. You need help. Please. You beg people. It's up to them. It's their life that they need to choose. And if they're unwilling to try something, just for once, that's all it takes is just one try with someone that might help them. 
you can't do anything to force them in that direction. No matter how much it pains you and hurts you to watch or see a loved one or someone you care about struggle, you cannot force someone to do that. They have to figure it out on their own. And sometimes it takes a very hard turn in their life. When they hit rock bottom or something terrible happens for them to go, oh, shoot, I really should get help. Yeah. Right? How many times do we see this in the medical world? Someone never goes to the doctor and all of a sudden they get a terrible diagnosis of cancer. And now they're getting treatment. Mm-hmm. How come you never went? Well, it wasn't important, but now it is. No, it's always been important. And who knows if you would have been going for years, how many things you would have figured out before, you know, it got to a terrible place. Yeah. Um, but there is help out there. So if someone is waiting and willing and they finally are ready, hopefully there's someone there to hold the hand out to help them. Oh, they were fantastic. Thank you so, so much. I feel like you're just, a, when, you, when you said you're not book smart, by the way, you've literally pulled out so many statistics, so many amazing <laughs> facts. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, I guess it's, it depends on what it's about, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't ask me math questions. Don't, well, no, don't. me either. I, no. <laughs> five plus five. <laughs> 17. I don't know. I just, it's just, <laughs> Oh, well, honestly, I'm so glad I reached out because it's been such a fantastic Friday evening for me uh, and I hope it's set you in good stead for your uh, Friday as well. Thank you so much, Emily, for having me. Um, And so, yeah, listeners, I hope you enjoy this. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. The reason I felt it was important to get Ellie on today's show was because I was so drawn to his raw and honest account of mental health in relation to becoming a new father and how postnatal syndrome can be just as prominent in men as women. It's just something that no one speaks about. In my opinion, all feelings are valid to share in a safe space and for any men struggling with their mental health, it's okay to admit you haven't got everything in hand all of the time. I feel in the UK especially, we are conservative when expressing our true emotions and feelings in case they can be misconstrued and we are labelled as being crazy, emotional or unhinged. In reality, if we were all more honest about these conversations, we would create a more universal understanding of mental health and how we can support each other more when going through particularly hard periods in our lives. If you're a new father or someone who thinks that therapy could be beneficial to you, then check out Ellie's Instagram at Ellie Weinstein, which is spelt E-L-I-W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N underscore L-C-S-W. If you want to keep up with me on my socials, you can find me on at Moody Girl Official for both Instagram and TikTok. You've been listening to the Moody Girl Podcast. Until next time. <laughs>